FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Louise Ty. Dumb's Hit Music Station F104, Louise Ty here with you. Until one o'clock, I'm now joined on the phone by Robbie Kitt, whose DJ and representative will give us the night. Hello, how are you? How's it going, Louise? Good, good. For anyone that doesn't know, firstly, what is Give Us The Night? Um, well, Give Us The Night is a campaign that has been trying to, for the last couple of years, uh, kind of reframe the conversation around nightlife mm-hmm. in Ireland, highlighting the kind of cultural and societal benefits of nightlife, and also uh, particularly highlighting how our very archaic uh, licensing system in this country uh, cripples the industry and, and doesn't really allow growth. So mm-hmm. we've been suggesting for the last few years that uh, practical and responsible reforms that could be made to the licensing system and how we kind of codify and, and uh, our venue licensing system. Uh, and just we're trying to essentially modernize Irish nightlife that way in a practical and responsible way, but in a way in which we think could give a lot of benefits to society in a general way, you know. And I suppose there's been a lot of talk in the past couple, I suppose the last week mainly, about <coughs> nightclubs and pubs and all that trying to reopen after the pan- pandemic. So where do we stand at the moment? Yeah, well, like the reality is, I think that the like any social gathering uh, industry is going to face massive hurdles in uh, in overcoming the challenges that are associated with this pandemic. So, and uh, we're very aware that we need to, you know, we need to not rush things and we need to proceed in the most responsible way possible. But doing so means we need to plan for the future and what's going to come after this. So, uh, like, from our point of view, the licensing system and the way in which we actually deal, particularly with late-night music venues um, in in Irish law, is so archaic and backwards and regressive that it's going to offer even more obstacles. Social distancing distancing in itself is going to offer such hurdles for these venues actually coming back to business. And in our conversations with venue owners, it's like, it seems like running at limited capacity is something that is going to be a massive burden for these businesses. Now, yeah. that's on top of a system that already kind of uh, doesn't incentivize the kind of provision of cultural activity at night, the provision of music, the provision of uh, live performance, the provision of a DJ, the provision of dancing. All these things are not really favored within our system anyway. So that's coupled with the kind of inevitable restrictions that are going to be have to be imposed due to social distancing and due to trying to deal with this whole thing responsibly mm-hmm. is going to make it incredibly, incredibly hard for uh, venues to get back to business in any sort of normal way. So for us, you know, uh, while the businesses aren't open right now, I think most pressing time to deal with these incredibly archaic elements of our licensing system, the idea that you have to, like, for example, for a late license every single night that you open, pay four and ten euro for two extra hours of trading hours, the idea that you have to court every single month to do that but there's no online system you know we make proposals in our in our mandate about these things being done online being done through local authorities not wasting court time all these type of things these efficiencies in the system that could be gained through just basic practical modernization it would go so far to actually promote a, a healthy work environment for these businesses and they're going to need all the help they can get. Yeah. So if we can do that in, in some sort of slight modernization of the venue licensing system, that would be amazing. And like, then I think that even, you know, we have to think about things like we're going to be thinking about reducing congestion on the streets. We've already heard about, you know, um, our, our workplaces started to be open on a 24-hour basis so that we can reduce congestion in our urban centres. Mm-hmm. Something that comes to mind for me is the idea of when we close venues at the same time on a weekend, on a payday weekend, for example, 
back in the old times, I should say, but mm-hmm. like then you would you would see this outpouring of people yes. onto the street. And I've always talked about this in terms of the artificial concentrations that we're, we're creating on the street and how it's a testament to the Irish people that there isn't more social disorder in those moments because you're having everybody coming out at the end of the night when they've had a few jars. And yet still it seems like people are able to keep themselves together and, and you know, get home. But it, it's creating these artificial environments that are just unnecessary um, at a time where, you know, it could be a case that public order instances could arise. Now, it seems even more crazy to me that you create these artificial concentrations of people if you're trying to reduce congestion. It seems also insane to me that you would, um, you would like, reduce the time of operations for these venues to a very, very small window of two hours, you know, mm. which is allowed within the special exemption order system. Okay, um, and and create an idea that you're trying to push everybody into venues at a very small time by expanding expanding trading hours, by uh, abolishing the special exemption order system, by modernising our venue licensing system. We can take steps towards creating a more favourable environment for these businesses that are going to be so hard pressed. Um, when social distancing is comes into effect in their operations. And do you think that's something that we could use going forward? So if they were to be open like till four o'clock, say, or something, that we could have a certain amount of people let in at each time, I suppose. Yeah, like, uh, honestly, I think that there's going to be a lot, and I think this is happening on all levels yeah. of governance right now. There's a lot of wait and see elements yes, to what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like, the practicalities of how these systems are actually going to operate, it's still, there's so much unknown. Um, so it's kind of hard to know exactly Predict how these it. things will yeah. be put into practice. Um, you know, we suggest, we put out a nine-point plan to, like, to suggest, a, a, like, a step that could be taken towards helping this industry recover in the aftermath of this because the reality is again you know public performance spaces these type of things they're going to be the last thing to come back um, Mm. to any sort of normal operation and there's like you know already we've seen all the festivals being uh, cancelled this summer there's going to be something that needs to fill that voice because that that festival market is a massive uh, income stream for so many artists performers but not only that festival service providers independent traders you know, we make suggestions of ideas of having outdoor events in the in, in the short term over the summer, having co- co- cooperation between licensed premises and festival service providers, such as, you know, people who put up fencing and rigging, independent pop-up food traders, you know, having these kind of coordination between already established um, businesses that are going to also be under pressure and then those service providers and uh, independent traders who are completely without work for this entire summer and probably won't be able to get back to work until 2021. You know, there's Mm. a lot of practical steps I think we can take in terms of using public space that is owned by local authorities, organising socially distant gatherings in those uh, outdoor spaces, which seems like it could be in the short term a bit more of a practical way in which we could organise. But then when it comes to the actual practicalities of how venues are going to open themselves. There's so much vagueness at the moment. Um, it's it's reassuring to have a slight roadmap provided by the government, but there's a, a distinct lack of detail in how these businesses are actually going to operate. So with our nine-point plan, we essentially just lay out kind of the practical aspects, the kind of the archaic elements of the system that have already existed and that are going to provide even worse um, obstacles and hurdles in the future. Those are things we think need to be addressed now because they've always been a problem and they're going to present even more difficulties in the future. 
Um, I think that there's going to be an element of wait and see in terms of what's happening around the world. You know, yeah. at the moment, we're seeing clubs in, in Asia opening up again. You know, we're seeing these venues open their doors. Um, and I think that it, it's we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Nobody really has the answers right That's now. True. But yeah. we are also in a bit of a position where we can see what's happening in other parts of the world and we can try and learn from those things. But on that point, I think that we also need to learn from, for example, the rest of Europe and how they treat um, license, licensing yeah. and nightlife in general and take those lessons and bring them into our own system. Because at the end of the day, you know, our, our opening times are the earliest in Europe. Um, we have an, an incredibly burdensome uh, system of licensing, which involves uh, much use of the courts, which is incredibly inefficient and isn't really mimicked anywhere else in Europe. So I think that for our point of view, we need to address those kind of inefficiencies now. Mm-hmm. And then we need to address, obviously, the problems that are going to arise regards social distancing when they come down the come down the pipeline. Because you know? that's the thing because social distancing is fine until somebody has had one or two beers and then suddenly they don't know what six foot is anymore. <laughs> you know? yeah, it'll be well, a tricky one to, to keep in. Yeah. in it's gonna, and it's like it's going to be it's going to be uh, very 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 difficult mm. for, for those businesses to you know to be able to operate in any sort of functional way you know yeah. what I mean like then at the end of the day like it, 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 they are going to have to reduce their capacity by let's say even 60 like 70 percent just to open in any sort of safe way mm. there has to be some sort of allowance for them to understand that that it's it's going to be impossible then to operate within the current system so yeah, yeah like in your dead right there's a lot of unknowns and how these things are going to be actually treated within venues um again there are measures that are being followed i like in like i understand in asia there's uh, temperature checks being done on the doors all the staff are okay. wearing masks there's these kind of practical things that have been implemented uh, again we've yet to see what the effects of those things will be but at yeah. the same time I think it's just a matter of taking what we know we can improve within mm-hmm. the system now and addressing those issues now that's where our priorities are at. Yeah. Like, I think we need to take some practical steps Absolutely. to help these businesses because they're going to face so many challenges when it comes down to social. And I also yeah. just can't sit with the fact that they're saying no live music and no DJs for the foreseeable anyway. And it's just like, there must be a way. Like There has to be a way to have a, a way that it's going to work out. So I suppose yeah. they're going to have to, as you say, look at how other countries are doing it and work out a realistic way of, of sorting that out. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and something as well has been kind of on my mind and that we mentioned in the, in the plan as well is the idea of supporting youth culture because mm. I think that it's like in terms of like having these cultural spaces that provide live music and DJs and dancing opportunities it's not just about the music it's also about the social space and like something that I feel very passionate about right now is that like you know I know that everybody sees there's some people who aren't, aren't paying attention to the, the health guidelines but by and large there's so much coordination and cooperation with what the health authorities are telling us to do, yeah. particularly from young people. And I think that, like, we obviously have to recognize we need to protect the most vulnerable and the oldest in our society and, and make sure that they don't come under risk. But at the same time, we have to also recognize that we're asking young people to, you know, sacrifice their time and their social lives in the midst and the peak of their youth. And that's a very valuable time in anybody's life. You know, like time doesn't really wait for anybody. So I think that the argument as well that needs to be kind of trundled out, that the idea of people can't take care of themselves if they're given two extra hours in a dance club. Like, mm. if we see the amount of responsibility that the vast majority of society is behaving like at the moment, 
I, I just think that that argument is just totally thrown out of the thrown out of the yeah. uh, out of the conversation. It's just, it doesn't make any sense anymore. We need to trust people a bit more. We need to trust people, and mm-hmm. we particularly need to trust young people because I think that, like again, something that we've seen is just the vast amount of responsibility from so many in our society over the last few months. And I think that that needs to be a realization for people that we can't look down on people and. You know, it's not up for the state to be telling us when to go to bed. You know yeah. what I mean? At the end of the yeah. day, it's like that is that should be a responsible decision that is made by us as individuals. We should be free to live our lives in that regard. And now it actually seems to me that it also seems to tie in with the idea of, you know, public health. Because if we are amending our working hours, like as proposed to a 24-hour system, it makes only it only makes sense that we also do the same for you know our, like our entertainment venues, our music venues, you know, and like some, who's to say that in this new world we wouldn't have just only nightclubs and um, music venues oper- operating late at night? Who's to say that we couldn't see you know theater performances going through the night or mm-hmm. you know all types of different types of entertainment that could be provided? Now, yeah. again, I might be talking about a utopian idea here, but at the same <laughs> time... to look at it, I suppose, and I it, suppose you've got yes, to look outside it, the box, as they say. It, that is exactly mm. it. There's like, it we're, we're at a, a point in time where nobody knows what the future really holds. So yeah. I think that it's very, very important that we come at it with ideas of how we can actually operate within these new circumstances that are presented to us. Yeah, and uh, for us as well, I just think the first step of that is addressing the archaic like elements of our licensing system because it is so crippling for businesses and it just doesn't allow them to actually function in any sort of normal way in, in normal times. And we're yeah. absolutely not in normal times now. So no, we're not. That is something that needs urgent addressing in, in, uh, in the opinion of the campaign. And how can people keep up with what you guys are doing? Um, well, yeah, listen, follow us on uh, social media. You know, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, just give the knife. We have a website. If you check out on Twitter as well, we have our nine-point plan. Um, outlined there there's a link to the PDF but mm-hmm. the uh, read through it if you agree with what we say you know retweet it share it amongst your friends these are just practical uh, they're not radical proposals they're practical responsible proposals that we think that could go some way with towards helping you know these kind of social entertainment venue spaces uh, operate and like also towards thinking about how we're going to plan in the future regards, you know, zoning and the idea of multi-use spaces where there could be uh, many different businesses under the same mm-hmm. uh, under the same roof. The idea of using unused space, you know, the reality is that we are probably going to be moving into a very heavy recession now. And mm-hmm. as we all know from previous recessions, what tends to happen is that a lot of space tends to open up within our urban centres. You know, we don't really have systems that allow people to use those spaces creatively for temporary events. We suggest kind of you know, um, mimicking systems that I've seen in in England and the UK uh, regards temporary events, licenses and these type of ideas. So listen, like we have our nine point plan up on Twitter. Follow us on that. Follow Check us on, on, mm-hmm. on Instagram. And if you enjoy what you see and you, you like what you hear, uh, yeah, just keep on supporting the campaign and we're going to keep on talking to politicians until they listen to us, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much, Robbie, for chatting to me. Not at all. My pleasure. FM 104 Sunday Night Live with Louise Ty. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.